everybody and welcome to the season premiere of that super fan talk podcast my name is sean ray and this is the show that asks the hard-hitting questions like is cereal soup joining me tonight in the newly renovated (laughs) infinite potato studios we have tom how's it going sir cereal is definitely soup (laughs) but is a hot dog a sandwich (laughs) oh or a taco (laughs) we've got rick how's it going sir i i Hi, <laughs> <laughs> and Scott's here as well. Uh, I'm I'm not hungry. <laughs> All right, so tonight we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk television, and uh, more specifically, we're gonna talk about some of the lesser known or short lived TV shows that we love. Uh, the topic's pretty wide open, um, but before we get into that, uh, have did you guys watch Wandavision? I haven't gotten to it yet, haven't seen uh, it yet. but okay. I, I will probably tomorrow. I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, Rick, I saw you post online that you didn't really care. I don't know if I did or not. Um, uh, my, my wife and I talked about it. She loved it. Uh, she's, a, she's a big comic person. As I've mentioned many times, I am not. Um, and I, I think I see what they're doing. Uh this without giving away any spoilers i well i mean you've, you've seen from the from the ads that you know they're 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 there's it's wanda it, it's the scarlet witch and the vision are in like vintage sitcom situations mm-hmm. and i it was it was too much for me there there is an underlying what the hell is going on to the show and those parts of it I'm really liking, but they are leaning so hard into the sitcom part of it. And these were all shows that I grew up with. And it wasn't, it's not giving me a nice nostalgic warm fuzzy. It's like, Oh my God, I hate this stuff. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like what I like about the show. I like enough to give it a episode. what I don't like about the show. If they keep leaning into it the way they did in the first two episodes, they're going to lose. me. I found myself enjoying it. Uh, and I was just, and I was sitting there. Why? I was like, "What are they doing?" Because I saw the commercials. I knew that it was going to have something to do with Wanda is uh, is either in some kind of a trance or something where she feels where she's like in a sitcom with Vision. But then I'm watching the actual show. I didn't realize that they were going to do a full half hour sitcom, <laughs> and it's like uh, kind of an I Love Lucy bewitched dick van dyke hybrid kind of thing you know um but uh, i i i enjoyed it because uh, for one thing paul bettany really got to open up and do more than anything that he gets to do in uh in any of the marvel films because he was he was able to do some comedy you know and um not just be this serious character that he is all the time on uh, on the marvel movies and stuff but then you know you've got this uh You've got this underlying thing where you know 
this is this is not reality you know there's something going on here and the we watched two episodes on Disney plus and you don't really have any answers but there's like 10, 10 more episodes coming so I don't know I'm not sure who our Facebook user is but uh, I, I also agree seven minutes of the half hour is credits <laughs> that yeah that's true the the the, the last uh the credits lasted a long time at the very end of it. There were all, almost movie credits for a 22-minute uh, episode, you know, so. Um, I don't know. You know, my, I, I'm I'm not out yet. Um, so, and, and my wife loved it. Uh, and, you know, everyone's doing a great job in it. It's great to see the, the, the mom from that 70s show back on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, 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 I haven't tapped out yet. Uh, so, I'll get, it's it's going to get. Which it could be the time. same. It could be the same kind of thing, like with the uh, Star Trek Discovery. Those first two episodes were completely different than the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I've seen people saying, and and again, this is not. I'm not, I'm not going to give any plot points or spoilers or anything. But I had I saw uh, one person posted that they know people who have gotten screeners because they're uh, they're critics or or. Uh, Fag people or whatever they've they've seen the whole series and they say it picks up it it picks up quite a bit pretty quickly so uh, I'm I'm hopeful yeah all right so uh, yeah I wanted to talk about that for a little bit before we get started but um uh, so we're gonna talk about some of the TV shows that we like from the 70s 80s 90s whatever mostly like uh, shows that a lot of people don't remember you know this is the kind of stuff where uh, you remember a show, but whenever you bring it up in a group, nobody else can seem to remember it. Or it was really short-lived, you know, it only lasted one season or only lasted a few episodes, and it was a highlight in your mind, and you find that nobody, and that it's just gone from everybody else's reality or whatever. Um, so I wanted to talk about some of that kind of stuff tonight. And I don't I don't have any kind of a... A program we're just gonna discuss i mean we'll go around the the table like we usually do but we're just gonna kind of bring this stuff up and, and and talk about it and see where the conversation goes so uh tom why don't you uh lead the charge so there, there was one that that really came to mind uh immediately for me and it's not that old it was from 2006 2007 it was one season show called the class does it ring a bell for anyone? Just from the the Doctor Who spinoff? No. Oh wait, no, no, that was yeah, that was far too early for that. Sorry, my bad. Um, I got to remember who the lead character. Oh, uh, Jason Ritter. Uh, so John Ritter's son was yeah. the lead character, and the it's he's twenty seven years old. He's going to. Uh, he brings together his like third grade class because that's where he met his girlfriend. He's going to propose with this big class reunion. She dumps some spoilers, you know, for a fifteen-year-old uh, show, and that the show picks up from all these people that hadn't seen each other in years coming back together, new relationships form, et cetera, et cetera. It was a good enough. I mean. A good show. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else really that stood out. Um, Lizzie Kaplan was in it. Uh, Lucy Punch. Um, trying to think where you may have seen Lucy Punch and other things. She was in Ella Enchanted. Um, David Keith. 
seen a few other names, but uh, what really sticks out to me for this show is you could see the development, and it was really, really blatant in my eyes when they, when the network gave notes, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. about halfway through the the show, they suddenly dropped several characters and focused on a couple that were. I mean, not even in the opening credits or anything. They suddenly got a lot more screen time, and so it really was the the network's notes when they uh, uh, they bought another uh, pack of episodes. And it's kind of interesting that, and I'm looking at IMDb here, that it was nominated for a primetime Emmy, won a People's Choice Award for new TV comedy, and it was canceled after one season. And it wasn't wrapped up either, so they had a lot of stuff hanging at the end of that season. I'm looking at it on Wikipedia, and I'm surprised that I've never heard of it because it's a it's a James Burroughs production, which he's the guy that did uh, Cheers and Frasier, and uh, so it it should have been it should have been somewhere where it would have been seen a lot by me, you know, because, uh, and it's got, let's see, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, I know him, he's from Modern Family, he's in that, um, yeah, I'm surprised that I never heard of this. I've looked to try to find it, you know, be able to see it again, and have not been able to find it anywhere, but. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about you, Rick? You got something? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, where to start? Uh, so many shows that just never got the chance they deserved. Um, are, you, are you saving your your screen name for last? Uh, no, I can start <laughs> there. <laughs> I just I'm not trying to be pushy. You know, I did. No, it, I, I actually forgot it, that I had put that in here. Hmm? It happens to be on my list, but it's low on my list. It's one of those if I don't get to use it, no skin off my nose. So <laughs> okay, yeah, it's 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 definitely okay. I'll 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 go with that one first. 1993 was a great year for TV uh, because The X-Files and Briscoe County Jr. were both my Friday night watching. And they were like one right after the other for, for I think the, I think it was the first season for X-Files. It was definitely the one and only season for Briscoe County Jr. Uh, and that was a great back-to-back set of shows. Um, Briscoe County Jr., was kind of my first exposure to Bruce Campbell. Uh, so I had not seen the Ash character yet. So the, the next thing I saw of him was Army of Darkness, and that was quite a, a mental gear sh- grind because <laughs> <laughs> the two characters could not have been different. Uh, Briscoe County Jr. was, took, was a, a science fiction western, kind of in the in the, the the vein of the Wild Wild West, only not quite so gadgety. Uh, but Briscoe has many adventures. Uh, uh, Bruce Campbell plays Briscoe County Jr. He's a lawman who's trying to avenge his father's death. You know, they kind of take the standard western tropes and then weave a bunch of really cool uh, uh, science fiction around it. Uh, there, there's a, a his, his uncle, played by John Aston, uh, who is. It, it, are they related? Or are they? Oh wow, it's been so long since I've yeah, seen the show. No, I, 
I don't know. I don't think they're related. I think that John Aston was the father of the love interest. Oh, right, right. He, he was somebody. Yeah, he was somebody's father. Um, and there was there was the 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 kind of the hooker with a heart of gold. Uh, uh, love interest. She wasn't really uh, <laughs> a hooker with a heart of gold. Uh, uh, Dixie, Dixie, Dixie Cousins. Yeah. Um, yep. She she was you know one of the she, she never mind. Um, and Julius Carey was Lord Bowler, uh, who he passed away sadly a couple of years ago. Um, just it's it's just a lot of fun and had some really good bad guys and some really fun uh, uh, plot lines and you know nice continuing arcs through the whole show and and then it just died it didn't it just didn't get a second season and it was very I was very upset about that very sad it is now it, it's on uh, IMDb TV I think I saw it uh, mm-hmm. not too long ago. Because uh, we had had a discussion about about it on the show at some point, and we were all like, "Well, where can you see it now?" And John was like, "I've got them all on videotape or something like that." <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, you can you can see all of them on uh, IMDb TV, which is free. I think it's got I mean with commercials and all that kind of stuff. So, all right, Scott, what about you? Uh, let's see. So I did have Briscoe County on my list, but uh, scratch that one off. Um, I'm saving the, the the one series on my list that I wish had continued more than any other. I'm going to save for the absolute last. So let me know when I've got one left and I'll use that one. In the meantime, I'll go through uh, one by one some of the other series that would have been nice if they continued. But, you know, I suppose we're not uh, not really missing out. Now, some shows I think could have done better with, uh, rather than continuing back when they were made, uh, there's shows that maybe weren't right for that time, but would do better now if they were made with a modern TV sensibility. For example, um, they tried making a TV series of The Crow, Mm -hmm. uh, adapted from, uh, it, it was essentially a reimagining of the first movie. Um, and it wasn't great. It ran for a season. It was fairly predictable. It was formulaic for the time. Um, they hinted at, uh, kind of an overarching story in the pilot that they never really cashed in on anywhere in that first season. Uh, so it was, it it was really kind of weak sauce, but if they tried it today, I think they'd have a, a lot better luck, probably better luck than they've had trying to make a film reboot of it, which they've been working on for years mm-hmm. with Jason Momoa being attached to it and then not attached. Who, who knows? So some things, like I say, a reboot might've been better than uh, a longer series back in the day, but one that I think should have continued on rather than getting canceled when it did was, um, let me double check the year. Uh, 1988's Alien Nation, based Ooh. on the based on the film of the same name. That show was fun. Yeah, I um, like that show. Th- it only got did, one season. O- only one season. Now yeah, it feels no. it feels like more because yeah, after a- because after that one season, it got a handful of TV movies that continued oh, okay. continued the story. But those TV movies uh, were were a pile of crap. Uh, each one worse than the last. Uh, lower production value, um, uh, shallower scripts. They were just—it was hogwash. But uh, the series itself did 
an Im- impressive amount of world building for uh, for sci-fi television of of the late '80s. Um, lots of character progression, uh, lots of fleshing out the alien species that had crash landed on Earth and had already been integrated into society. They skipped over all that part and they start the series where the movie started, which is these aliens have already become a part of um, Los Angeles society. Wasn't it like 10 years later? Um, like years yes. After they landed? Yes. The, the series was 10 years later. I don't know how long after the crash the movie was set, but the series was intended to carry off directly from the movie. Uh, just ignore the fact that James Conn looks absolutely nothing, 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 nothing like Gary Graham at all. Um, they they retconned a few things like the like the naming conventions uh, or the, the the name of the the main character, um, but um, a lot of running story arcs that were fairly minor, but they they still end up really hooking you in uh, some of them more disturbing than others. Uh, one is they detailed how this alien race uh, uh, gives birth where the female will carry the baby for a short time and then transfer, transfer it to the male and the male will carry the baby to term and deliver. Um, at the same time, they also introduce a concept of, and we saw this a little bit in uh, enterprise. I think, season two of enterprise where uh, the aliens have essentially a third gender that is required for procreation. Um, and they show the, the father that's the, the lead alien police officer uh, giving birth at some point in that season. And the, uh, the showmakers who wanted people to come back and watch a second season, they wanted to get renewed they ended season one on a cliffhanger with a lot of alien characters, including um, the the lead alien cop, his wife, and I think one or both of his kids being infected with a deadly alien virus uh, to which they have not yet found a cure. Um, it's terminal. They have no, they have no way to reverse it. And this lead character and his family have all, uh, contracted it and that's where they end the season and as it turns out the series one of the great cliffhangers that uh, the 80s saw in science fiction um they eventually sort of wrapped up that storyline with a tv movie but you basically have to erase the final episode of the season and replace it with this movie that changes and retells that story wraps up about halfway through the movie and then tries to tell another story after that and didn't really work out so well. Um, now they did take for anyone who's familiar with alienation and you remember that cliffhanger, the resolution to that cliffhanger was planned when they made it. Mm-hmm. And that story was eventually adapted into a comic book, a single issue comic that was released. And if you buy that comic and read it, you see how that two part uh, season finale uh, premiere was supposed to end. Uh, I have it. I can't remember what the story was because I read it several years ago and I've forgotten it. Um, but it's 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 in it's in the collection somewhere. I can go back and reread it. Uh, it was just really exciting to have that. They should have let that go for for some additional seasons and see where they could have taken it. I think they could. It had a lot of potential. They could have done so much with it if they if it stuck around. But what year uh, was it in? Uh, it was in eight. 
eight. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was Fox. So it, you was. Can't, yeah, it was, it was Fox. Yeah. So you can't be surprised that they canceled it. Yeah. They yeah. don't give, you know, they don't give sci-fi a chance. No, I was, I was trying to figure out why I didn't, I, I only saw a few episodes of it, but in 88, this was before VCRs were affordable and I was working most nights. The and so Wikipedia, Wikipedia says it came out in 89. The movie came out in 88. The TV show started in 89. Oh, okay. 89 to 90. Yeah. I, I was checking on my Plex and my Plex has it listed as 88. So I, I trusted it. But um, a lot of things that show up in Star Trek too, like uh, Eric Pierpoint, who was the Enterprise Section Thirty One agent, and he had a few other roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Gary Graham, of course. So yeah, uh, uh, so so Val, he was there. So uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey says that uh, his his choice would be Moonlighting. Uh, started out as traditional romantic comedy detective show with Bruce Willis. Got super creative as the years went on. All kinds of wait a minute, all kinds of interesting direction, directorial choices and theme episodes. It's just something you mentioned today to people who weren't around and they don't even realize it was a thing. I remember that show because my mom really liked that show, and uh, I can't remember what year it was out, but 1985. Okay, so I was not even 10 years old. I was still, I was, but I watched it. <laughs> it was Bruce Willis and Sybil, was it Sybil Shepard? Yeah, Shepard. Sybil Shepard. My, my only uh, issue with it is it got five seasons, so it wasn't exactly cut off before its time. <laughs> it also had, there was the guy that played Booger in the, in the, uh, um, Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, he was in that show too. Let's I, I can't remember the actor's name. Um, I've seen, I've seen him in so much stuff. I just can't remember. His Curtis name. Armstrong. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, I loved that show. And it, it it set up the will they, won't they, they did, now the show is over trope. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, <laughs> um, it gave us a little peek into the future as far as, uh, as, far as Bruce Willis and his difficulty. Because uh, I, Je- Jeffrey mentioned that uh, you know, as, the, as the show went on, into later seasons, they got really creative and I'm pretty sure the reason they got creative is they had to work around the fact that they could hardly ever film the two leads together at the same time <laughs> mm-hmm. because they hated each other. Yeah. And oftentimes they refused to uh, be on set shooting scenes with each other. They would have to film, they would have to film them separately or work around each other because and, they refused to work together. And Bruce Willis had to go off and become a movie star. Because yeah, yeah, uh, Die Hard came out in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah. While he was doing that, yeah. Um, all right. So once once a hero is a show that I remember from when I was a kid, and it only lasted like maybe thirteen episodes. Um, a lot of mine are going to be shows that are in my mind, but I barely remember them. But but when I started putting my list together, it just started firing things off. Just. My synapses were just going off like firecrackers, you know. So, uh, but once a hero was a show about a guy that, um, he wrote a comic book and they would show the comic book world. And, uh, the main hero in his comic book was Captain Justice. And Captain Justice, like, went into the real world. And when he got into the real world, he didn't have superpowers anymore. But he still 
thought he was a superhero and he talked like a superhero and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was one of these shows that the reason that it didn't last was because it was on in prime time and it was made for adults, but it was, it was also, um, something that kids would actually like more, (laughs) but the kids weren't watching it because it was coming on, you know, when adults were watching TV. So, uh, so that was, uh, one of the ones that I remember, uh, another one I'll go, since that was, that that's really all I remember of that one, but I'll throw another one out there. Did you guys ever watch the head on MTV? I, I know I've heard the title. I would probably recognize like some promotional stuff or some screenshots or something, but I don't think I watched it. Um, and as I'm, you know, Tom will back me up on this. MTV didn't really play very much in our house. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> This no, was, I loved Liquid Television. Yeah, well, this was along those lines. It was an animated show, and it was about a guy that um, he woke up one day, and his head was just huge. Turns out he had an alien living inside of his head, and they had like this symbiotic relationship going on. And well, who in, hasn't been there really? Got into all kinds of antics, uh, like solving crimes together and things like that. But it was a sh- it was a short run series. MTV would do this thing where uh, every season they would have a, a, a an animated show that would go on for ten, thirteen episodes, something like that. And then the next season it would be like a completely different show. The 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 Max was another one that they did that was about a a little girl and her imaginary friend that was a giant monster, you know. Who's actually a homeless guy? Yeah, actually a homeless guy. Yeah, um, schizophrenic, schizophrenic homeless guy. The- when I was watching MTV, it had these radical things called music videos. <laughs> this was this was in the phase between because th- this would have been mid nineties. So they still showed music videos mostly during the day, but then at night it was original programming like The Real World and Road Rules and these animated shows and things like that. So. What, what, back when the real world and road rules were like the the experiments, the mm-hmm. the outliers, rather than the only thing that they broadcast. Right. <laughs> Don't forget celebrity deathmatch, Brandon. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Brandon. Most of the ones that you're talking about, we're going to talk about <laughs> eventually. <laughs> uh, okay, Tom. What's the next one you got? Um, I'm going to go back to the uh, 80s, 90s, uh, and I'm sure Scott's going to remember this one. Um, My Secret Identity. Now, was that uh, was that canceled short? I'm I'm I have the whole series on my Plex right now. Is that Jer- Jerry uh, O'Connell? Was that Jerry O'Connell? That's the Jerry, one? That was yeah. Jerry O'Connell. Uh, young but slimmed down Jerry O'Connell, so not um, Stand By Me uh, he had his gross, yeah, yeah. His no no yeah. no stand by me Jerry O'Connell and not uh, uh, and and not Commander um, oh come on lower decks first officer Commander oh 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 hell ours ransom it would have been uh, after Stand by Me but before Sliders right there, yes Sliders is a good yeah yeah, yeah. Sliders I tried so many times to watch that show and it was just <laughs> I, I got about halfway through Slider, but with my secret identity, yeah, it had three seasons, but it was uh, 88 through 91. 
Uh, Jerry O'Connell gets superpowers when he falls into a lab accident, but they're not exactly what you might expect for superpowers. And I don't even remember all of them at first. All I can remember is that he could levitate, but not propel himself. So he used aerosol cans to <laughs> his little jet engines. Yeah. He that, could float, that, but he couldn't propel himself. Yeah, that's right. That's how he re- how he realized he had that power because he was applying spray on deodorant and it lifted him off the ground. What what I thought was a, a clever touch with that series was he would use the deodorant to you know as as two propellants to lift up, and then he would steer with them and slowly fly. It was the slowest flight you've ever seen. It was boring as hell, <laughs> and they did that for the entire first season, and I yeah. believe it was right at the beginning of season two where one of the first things that happens was uh, the kid's neighbor, who is the scientist whose experiment gave him these powers. Right. Um, the scientist said, give me those deodorant cans. And he took them, and then he handed him uh, plain orange cans of compressed air because he wanted to save the environment. He wanted yep. to save the ozone layer, so he switched <laughs> out the deodorant for compressed air canisters. In addition yeah. to the flight, he also had uh, super speed, um, invulnerability, and then later in the series, when he got hit with the same beam that gave him the initial powers, he gained super strength. He gained super he also, strength. He gained super strength, but he lost the invulnerability. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I knew. Yeah. I thought it was a trade off. I wasn't sure. And and didn't he also uh, gain the ability to then propel himself? I don't think he, so. Uh, I, I seem to remember that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, a teenager with super, with you know, mediocre superpowers, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and his, they would do stuff like he would go to the dentist, and they would they would give him X rays, and uh, after he would have the X rays, he'd lose his powers for like a week, and then they would come back. <laughs> well, you always have to have that. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it, I don't re- recognize any of the other names really, uh, other than Jerry O'Connell. But the the guy who I can't remember the name of the actor who played uh, the neighbor, uh, Doctor Doctor Jeff Coat. That's Derek, Derek McGrath. McGrath. Derek McGrath. I he's one of those guys that you've probably seen him in a couple things here and there, but it, he he doesn't carry a show like ever in his life. You're never going to see it happen. But you probably he was caught him. Chell in Star Trek Voyager. Uh, yes, that was, I think, I think the end of season one, when Tuvok was trying to train those misfit Maquis officers who had yeah. bad attitudes and he was trying to straighten them out. He, uh, uh, McGrath was the Bolian. Yep. Oh God. He was in a CBC television sitcom called little mosque on the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> what? He was in, at least I'm seeing one police Academy movie. He was Butterworth, but uh, <laughs> my secret identity. Okay, that's good enough with three seasons. But as IMDb will do, you know, you can go down a rabbit hole real bad with with that. And when I searched, looked up that one just as we were getting ready to go on, in the you know similar shows that you may know, I saw just a picture of it. And realized that I I saw this show too, but would have remembered it if I had seen the picture called Out of This World. <laughs> is that the show about the is that the show about the little girl that could freeze time when she when she touches her fingers together? Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Yep. 
she was half alien. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm shocked now to see that that, well, it ran the same time, 87 to 91, four seasons. Unbelievable that they managed to do that. Um, and her father was voiced by Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I remember. I remember reading that. <laughs> she only communicated uh, with him through some crystal cube or pyramid or something yeah. that would flash, you know, kind of the. Morton Pauline Orson, come in Orson. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> the so. guardian of forever thing where it would flash when it would talk. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is you guys, now I, I purposely avoided a lot of the stuff from the seventies, but you guys are basically hitting your shows from the eighties. That were my shows in the seventies that were like shows that were on for one season. And as a kid, you're like, Oh, this was a lot of fun. And then you look back on it as an adult. And you're like, why the hell? Did-? I watched every episode of Logan's run and the fantastic journey. And I used oh, to, oh, what was that? That Canadian one Lo- star lost. <laughs> you mentioned star lost to Kennedy and he will weep. <laughs> I used to love a uh, small wonder when I was a kid and I, then uh, yeah. mm-hmm. it came it came on about a year or so ago I caught an episode of it on me TV or whatever that channel is and and I was like god this show is awful <laughs> yeah see that that's the thing a, lo- a lot of the shows we're talking about like my secret identity uh out of this world young Scott young Tom we're like man I wish that show had gone longer Adult Scott and adult Tom are like, these shows suck. <laughs> well, I was tempted to put Buck Rogers on this list, and then I was like, mm, no. <laughs> well, what's another one that is on your list? Okay. So uh, I'll go ahead since since Brandon brought it up, because um, I was going to talk about this one anyway. Uh, let me get to the – now imagine let – me, let me set the scene. It's Picture September. it, Sicily. <laughs> it's September of 2011. I am completely sleep deprived because we have a newborn in the house. We still have cable TV uh, because we're spending a lot of time just sitting there with a little pink poop machine on our shoulder, not being able to move because the baby's finally asleep. And this show begins called Terra Nova, where... An overpopulated Earth, overpopulated, overpolluted, climate, global warming destroyed Earth is dying. And this company has figured out a way to open a portal to 85 million years in the past. So it's like we can go back to our past and fuck up everything we want because I thought it was two shows. I thought it was um, (laughs) they they were weren't they going to another Earth? We didn't know that yet. Oh, okay, okay. That was a, that was something that was dis- <laughs> that was a plot development later. Um, you know, it was just going back to a world where there were dinosaurs and and uh, and the one of the main characters was Stephen Lang, who was the bad guy in Avatar. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah. he was doing his you know gruff, mean. I'm an ex marine, and I'm mean, and I'm angry, and I can't. You can't tell if I'm a good guy or a bad guy, and I'm <laughs> gravelly and mean. And I loved that show. I didn't miss an episode of it. And as with many of these ones we're talking about, it it got better and better and better. And there were <clears throat> factions, and there were there were really <clears throat> strong female characters in the show. And there were uh, there was a kid, but whatever, a couple of teenagers who kept getting into trouble. Um, but then 
it, it, it got to this cliffhanger where they find like an artifact. And that's when you find out, wait a minute, this isn't our earth. It's a different earth. I think they found that out somewhere in the, in the middle of the season, but then they find like a, a, a modern artifact that's 80, you know, back 85 million years ago. And it's like, dun, 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 what is this? And then to be continued. And then they canceled the goddamn show. Yeah. Cause you know what network it was on. Yeah. It was on Fox. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I loved that show, and but yeah, my wife loved it too. She just said she, she's going to bed. She said it was awesome. Um, you know, I love the fact that you weren't sure who the good guys were or who the bad guys were, uh, and you know, it was very clear that there was there was something going on that you know we hadn't been told yet, and that there was a you know there was a sinister presence, and there were other operatives out doing something with the dinosaurs and stuff and the, and the effects i mean they weren't great but they were kind of jurassic park level they weren't bad uh and you know maybe because i was exhausted and, and you know we had a newborn maybe i liked it more than than i would now but i was really bummed when it got canceled and they just kept saying oh it's too expensive to do it's not getting it. well fox has got this thing where you've got to your numbers have got to be gangbusters to be able to stay on fox mm-hmm. And sci-fi doesn't get those. Sci-fi has never gotten those kinds of numbers. Not, I mean, unless you're talking about like Avengers movies and stuff like that. But TV sci-fi, a good audience can't be measured in the billions. You know, uh, that's why sci-fi shows that are on uh, first-run syndication and on cable can last for years. But if they mm-hmm. get put on a network like Fox they last one season and they're gone. Even when they're really good shows like that. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff, Jeffrey says, uh, mentions that, uh, he, he watched space 1999 for the first time. And since he was a kid and dude, I don't know if you ever heard the, uh, it, and there's, there's no way to get it now because of, you know, the simply syndicated implosion. But, uh, uh, I did a, a series called Ray guns and go-go boots over on simply syndicated. And we did the first season of Space 1999, and that was one of my favorite shows, too, as a kid. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is just 70s depression at its height. <laughs> it was just so dismal and grim, and everybody was unhappy all the time. <laughs> Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots is the reason that I watched every episode of Logan's Run the series. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I could be on that show with you guys. What's the next? Hey, what's the I next one? DVD. <laughs> the whole show. <laughs> what about you, Scott? Um, what's the yeah, next one? And, well, uh, before we move on from Terra Nova, I just want to ask Rick because I you said that premiered in, in 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay, so twenty six, twenty eleven. Sharon was exact, almost exactly a month old. Oh, well, then that means that I have been podcasting for ten years now. So Terra Nova. That was in 2011. I remember we watched the pilot episode for that, or the premiere episode for that, and we discussed it on my first uh, podcast. And we, uh, my co-host and I, were not impressed. Uh, we did not think that it was a great premiere. Um, so, in light of what you've been saying, <laughs> um, should do, do you think that it would be worth my time to go back and and? Because I didn't watch the whole season. I think I just watched the premiere. I don't think I went back for episode two. Do you think it's worth going and giving it another shot, even though it ends on a cliffhanger that is never resolved? I honestly can't say because I have not gone back to it since it first aired. Um, and 
you know, uh, you know, like I said, I was not, I was riding the high of being a new daddy while also being absolutely exhausted because I was a new daddy. Too tired um, to change the channel. Right. Well, not so much that, but well, sometimes it was like the rim, uh, if I had had the force, because sometimes, you know, you got the baby, baby's asleep, remote is 12 feet that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I watched way more police procedurals during her first six months of life than I ever would have on my own. Um, I, I, you know, it wouldn't hurt. You know, I'd say watch, give it, give it, you know, the standard, give it three or four episodes. If you don't like it at that point, then I'm wrong. But I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't expect to because, okay, now I don't remember which came first, Terra Nova or that god-awful BBC dinosaur show, Primeval. Now that thing, now I know, sorry British friends, UK-ish friends, if you like Primeval and it got like four or five seasons, I thought it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, let Let's stick with some sci-fi <clears throat> that that should have gone longer. Um, I think back to, let's say it was the the nineties. Uh, again, I shall consult Almighty Plex and be reminded that this was in nineteen ninety five. We had the what's that? Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> the one the one season wonder space above and beyond. Damn it! <laughs> when you said ninety five, I'm like, that's why I said I know where you're going. <laughs> I'll just cut that one off my list. <laughs> um, let's see. What do we have? It's it, it's not a terribly new story. We've got we've seen several science fiction series that follow this same story. We have um, uh, a race of aggressive aliens that bring war to our end of space, and Earth engages in hostilities with them. Proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, the series focuses on. Uh, uh, what were they? Were they the the wild cards? Wild cards. Yep. Wild um, cards. Saratoga. Um, it was a a marine battalion of uh, you know, just, you know, marine soldiers slash pilots um, fighting. Did they give a, a a proper name to the aliens? I remember they were uh, referred to in in the colloquial as chigs. Yeah. I I, I don't know if they had a. The chig was a was a reference to a kind of flea. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the chigs actually had a. a it we says a, a, pre- a previously unknown alien species, the chigs. Yeah. That's yeah. No, we never, they never got that far as to find out what the aliens called themselves. Yeah. Um. And it was. They did not spend a whole lot of time uh, digging into why the aliens were uh, attacking, why this war started. They kind of just jumped into it, and they focused on the the, the individual battles and campaigns that they, were, uh, that they were waging. And they didn't dig really deep into the why, uh, which I assume they would have done later. They just never got around to it. Um, but for the time, for the, for the mid-'90s, I thought that show did a, a pretty good job of showing some... Uh, some dark and some uncomfortable war stories. It it was if you had set this series in either a modern day or uh, a few decades in the past, and you changed the aliens to um, another country on Earth, then it would have been just a, a straight up uh, 
you know, war, war stories, TV series. Um, you could have made a few slight adjustments. Now it's a Vietnam series, make another few slight adjustments. And it's, uh, a companion series to mash. Whereas mash is the funny one. This is the not funny one, uh, taking place in, in Korea. Uh, you could have said it pretty much anywhere, anytime they decided to do this one in space. And I thought they did a pretty good job of it. They had, uh, a lot of nice character development, all your your soldiers in the in the wild cards uh fighter group were all very distinctive characters um, portrayed you know, adequately um, and you'll you'll have a few characters that you really like that are your favorites, and you have some characters that really bother you and you find them grating and it's gonna be different for every viewer and to me that's a sign of writing good characters some people will like different characters and others will dislike different characters. So the series had a different interpretation for everyone that watched it. And again, cliffhanger, you get to the end, you got some people are injured. Some people are lost. I think Um, you don't know who's going to survive and who's not. And then they end the season. And then you remember it was on Fox. Yep. As as I remember, um, now I haven't done any research to confirm this. This is just my (laughs) memory of how it happened. The, first, the the pilot episode wasn't great, and they aired it, and people hated it. And then the, the creators of the show came out and said, this isn't what we wanted to do. Fox made us change it to this. We're now going to make it the way we want it to be, and they did. And then Fox began to crap all over the show. They kept preempting it. They aired it during freaking March Madness, so it kept getting either preempted or moved around, or you could never, you know, unless you were someone, you know, with with more time, you know, if, unless you were a kid, uh, where, where, what was I, where, what did, when was this? 90, 95. 95. Um, how the hell did I get to watch that then? Um, but anyway, you know, it, it, it was, it, oh, because I had a VCR. <laughs> That's right. You know, uh, you know, unless you were went out of your way to record it or you were like, you know, a 12 year old who wasn't working yet, you would never watch, catch the show because they kept moving it around or kept preempting it. And they also aired it out of order. Uh, and so they did everything they could short of putting it on at nine o'clock on a Friday night to kill the show. And then at the end of the season, they went, Oh, well, no ratings. Bye bye. Um, Even though and it was nominated it was- for two Emmys. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and it was great. Yeah, it was. You know, this I, I, you know, I haven't seen. I, I actually, that's not true. I did watch it again uh, about ten years ago. Uh, a student of mine, we were talking about it, and he had all the DVDs, so I, I brought it home and, and rewatched it. Uh, and it really holds up. It's a great show. I love how they how they simplified the the the, the ship, the, the the fighters, by just having the cockpit be a module that sat on the floor of the hangar bay and they'd all would get mm-hmm. into their cockpits and then it would drop down and lock onto the ship. So they yep. didn't have to build whole ships for mm-hmm. like, it was great. And, and I, I, my favorite line, and I still remember it. There was, there was a, 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 a Chig fighter that was buzzing the Saratoga. It was, you know, big thing in the episode. It was like three o'clock Charlie on mash. Um, but uh, you know, for some, I don't remember what the, what, Five o'clock, Charlie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're old too. <laughs> um, uh, and they, for some reason, they, there was some reason they couldn't go after it. And then they finally got permission or something. And add uh, Commodore, what's his name? Um, Comm- Commodore Ross, uh, who mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it was one of those. He, Tucker Smallwood, he played by Tucker Smallwood. He was one of those guys that it was like he was the hard ass Commodore, but eventually you would see that he really did care about his people, even though he was he was just you know the battle hardened veteran and stuff like that. And I just remember him going, "Get that thing out of my sky!" And they were like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> I think that was even maybe even the final ser- the final episode of the of the season, um, but. It was such a good show, and it got such a such. I think it got a harder boning than Firefly did, but from Fox, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think now that you mentioned that line, uh, you know, get that thing out of my sky. It it's a line that I have heard in other places, and it makes me wonder, you know, if it was used before that. I I I know very very clearly that I heard that line in. Uh, the Babylon five spinoff crusade, mm. which I will say is not on my list of shows that should have gone longer. <laughs> <laughs> it pains me because I love Babylon five, but crusade should not have gone longer than it did. List of shows that should never have happened. Maybe <laughs> that's another show. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. The next one on my list is actually one that uh, Brandon brought up here on the chat a few minutes ago, but uh journeyman, uh, didn't, and is that ringing a bell with any of you guys? A, 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 a small bell, a, a, a tinker bell. Came out in 2007 and had Kevin McKidd in it, who is now on Grey's Anatomy. Um, but he was a guy that uh, he was unstuck in time. He could he, he he would travel back and forth in time, and he really didn't have any control over it. It, it kind of had a quantum leap quality to it, but there was no science experiment gone wrong. At least, at least uh, we didn't find out about one in the shows that they aired. There, there may have been a story that they were going to do later on that never, uh, never came to light. But he was a reporter, and he would uh, he he would just suddenly get transported back to the seventies or something like that, you know. And um, the things that he would see in the past time would have something to do with what was going on in his present. So he would start investigating a story and then he would get transported back to the person that he's investigating as a young person or something like that, you know, and he would, he would be able to solve mysteries this way. And, uh, it lasted for one season. And as the show went on, we found out that there were other people like him. He, he had an uh, ex-girlfriend that he ran into that he found out she's able to do this thing too. And, um, he also starts to get a little bit more control over it. Um, but there's a lot of things that happen to him. Like there's, there's one episode where he's at a fair with his son and his son's like seven or eight years old. And, uh, and all of a sudden he gets transported away well, the kid's stuck there by himself, you know. And there was one episode where, while he was in the past, he dropped his iPhone. And when he came back to the future, technology was 10 years more advanced than it was when he left. You know, things like that. So uh, so it had a lot of interesting aspects to it. But, um, but it only lasted that one season. And it wasn't on Fox. It was on NBC. So uh it's a, it's a show that I wish had uh, had stuck around. I, remember, I I watched it I rewatched it a couple of years ago and uh and I still think that it was uh a good enough show that it should have gotten a second season so that we could really see where it was where it was planning to go. 
Because just at the end of that first season, they were starting to plant seeds that there was more to the reason that he was traveling in time other than just he's some dude that came unstuck in time. Like there were, there was something causing it, you know, and uh, and we never found what found out what that thing is. So anyway, can I ask you a, a bit of a pretentious uh, glasses shoving nerdy question? <laughs> sure. Do you know where the phrase "unstuck in time" came from? Yeah, that's uh, sl- is it Slaughterhouse Five? I read well, books. Billy I read books. I I've read that book. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know Vonnegut. <laughs> okay, I've read I, a bunch I, of his I'm, books. My actually. bad. I I, I, <laughs> I I underestimated you. I apologize. <laughs> I'm I'm fairly certain that I was the only person in my uh, senior. Uh, senior year high school English class to actually read that book when it was offered up as an assignment. The teacher gave us an option of three books, pick one to read. And she had three separate uh, uh, units, uh, one for each book. Uh, Slaughterhouse Five, um, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, and something else. I can't remember. Um <laughs> And a few kids in class chose Slaughterhouse-Five. I was one of them. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that actually read the book. Uh, certainly the only one. Uh, I'll, I'll be immodest. I'm certainly the only one in the class that understood the book and could follow the story. And then she played the movie for the class, so, so we all got to watch it. I've never seen every, the movie. Everyone in class is watching the film. I, I don't, what? What? I don't get it. What? I'm just kicking back at my desk big old smile on my face because i'm like i know this part i get it this guy exactly right probably one of the best um adaptations of a vonnegut uh, work to film that you're ever going to see is slaughterhouse five it, it it's it's really good. yeah vonnegut vonnegut's hard to turn into a film but, very but can uh, i recommend time quake if y'all haven't read it his book time quake is yeah i've read really, that yeah really yeah. good yeah um he um they did a they did a screening of that movie, the Alabama Theater, which is like the the old time theater that we have here in Birmingham that was built in the twenties. And every summer they have a summer movie series where they they show classic films on like Saturday afternoon. Well, one year they decided to do a film series on Saturday night at like ten o'clock that was more adult because on Saturday afternoon they were showing stuff like the. Sound of Music, Wizard of Oz, you know, things like that. Uh, Saturday night, they would show things like MASH, the film, you know, and um, and one night they showed Slaughterhouse-Five, I went to, and I so I saw it on the big screen in an old-time theater, and couldn't get anybody to go with me, so I went by myself, so. <laughs> but, um, okay, Tom, what, you, what, what else have you got on your list? Well... So when you sent me the message about what we were doing and and the invite on here, you said we're going to talk about lesser-known and short-lived TV series. And I missed the short-lived part. So, you know, some of my examples have had several seasons, but I was going on the the lesser-known. In the the sci-fi realm that we've been talking about, and this was when I was – when I actually had Netflix, there was – several different series that I followed and they're all about the, around the four season mark. I'm lumping them together because a lot of them used the same cast. It was, must've been this Vancouver, you know, British Columbia 
group uh, acting group that they put in everything. So uh, that would be like dark. Oh shoot, what was it? Dark matter? Is that the? Yeah, that's a that's a Joe the the Joe Malazzi. Malazzi, sorry. <laughs> that, where where they they the crew waits up on the ship and they've all lost their memory. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so you've got that uh, continuum, the mm-hmm. displaced cop out of time, uh, sent back into you know from twenty seventy seven and she's in present day Vancouver. It kind of along that same. Line. I don't know that it had all that cast, same cast, but uh, Travelers. Uh, that's a 2016, 2018 show. Eric McCormick. It's another oh, yeah, time yeah. travel. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, especially Continuum was one that uh, stood out and seemed to be a lesser known. Not a lot of people that I've talked to have heard about it. But uh, Are they... Yeah, a lot of them are deal with the time travel stuff, so that's a, another kick I've been on. But uh, I just I, I like seeing and identifying those actors, especially seeing the different range they had. When you've got some guys going from you know the the hero good guy team, and then they're the total one hundred and eighty and the the full bad guy in there. Um, I think all three of those series, Travelers, Dark Matter, and Continuum, suffered from going too long, though. They they could have cut themselves a, a, each a season short and been just fine. Don't let Malazzi hear you say that. <laughs> What's that? Don't let Joe Malazzi hear you say that. He, he's pissed that it got shut off when it did. <laughs> it, it, especially Dark Matter, you know, they... They kept changing things and, you know, changed what the, the mission was. Um, yeah, I, that one really started to drag. Oh, that had Will Wheaton in it, though, near the end, didn't it? Dark Matter? I, I, I watched the first episode, and I, I didn't say this when we were talking to Joe, because it would not, been, it would not have been politic, but mm. the whole crew wakes up with amnesia, doesn't know who they are, what they're doing, just I did not work with me at all and so I only watched the first episode and, and didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you still haven't gone back to rewatch Stargate Universe, have you? Oh I haven't. I want to and I just keep forgetting I want to. <laughs> um okay next on my list is uh in two thousand eight uh there was a writer strike and this was a huge writer strike. It and it was uh because there, there had been writer strikes before the uh, see, the beginning of season two of Star Trek: The Next Generation is the way it is at the beginning because of a writer strike. They they uh, they weren't able to write any new scripts, and so they recycled some old uh, uh, Star Trek Phase Two scripts, and that's how you got things like The Child. Um, but just before the writer strike, a show began that starred Lena Headey, Summer Glau. And Shirley Manson. Now there were from a few other people in the that I don't. They don't matter. <laughs> Brian Austin Green, I think, at some point. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, and the show was called The Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles, and I loved the first nine episodes of this show. And the, the it was it was Sarah Connor played by Lena Headey, and this was the first time I'd seen her. So again, she was a good guy 
in my universe until Cersei and Mama in in Dread, <laughs> um, which was boy, did she go the other direction with that? <laughs> Dread um, is awesome. I love that movie, but it traumatized the hell out of me. <laughs> that movie needs a sequel so bad. Yeah, Carl Urban as Judge Dredd. Carl Urban was the Judge Dredd we needed. He oh, he amazing. he nailed it. Yeah. Um, however, that is not the discussion for tonight. Um, and it's Lena. I don't even remember who played who played Connor. Thomas Decker played played John Connor. Um, yeah. But it was more Sarah Connor was, or, or yeah, Sarah Connor, Lena Headey, Sarah Connor was more the the focus of the show. And then Summer Glau comes back to their time as a Terminator who is protecting John. But we never do get to find out why and who programmed her. And there's this sexual tension. John's older, so that it wasn't totally creepy, but um, there's this almost sexual tension between the two. Um, and then the first, what they called the first season was only nine episodes. And at the, in, in episode nine, uh, Oh, Cameron. That was her name. Cameron named after, you know, named after John Cameron. Uh, Cameron gets blown up. And then that was the end of the season. And and my wife and I were like, that's weird, you know, for, you know, first of all, it's a real short season. And, you know, and and this was 2008. So the the 10 episode season wasn't a thing yet. Um, And also it just really was, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal to be the end of a season. And then we found out that's how many scripts they had before the writer's strike shut the show down. And then they came back and did another season and season two just never caught the fire that it had before the strike. And then I re- the, the last episode. Um, no, no. Uh, Shirley Manson plays a, a, a bad Terminator. Now, if you don't know who Shirley Manson is, she's the lead singer from Garbage, and she's Irish and and just is gorgeous and creepy and has this amazing accent, and she's you know plays that I'm a I'm I'm a good guy I'm a bad guy I'm a good guy I'm a bad guy it, 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 I loved watching her performance she's an amazing actor. Uh, Garrett and, Dillahunt. Garrett Dillahunt was a was another bad Terminator on that. He was from uh, Cromartie. He used to play on Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And Cromartie, so there was yeah. there was a lot of are the you know there was a lot of gray area and it was wonderful. But then when they came back after the strike, it just kind of became real generic and and we've seen this before. And then the, the the final episode, they ended up getting split up and going in time to different places. And to be honest, when they canceled the show, I really didn't care. And I was so bummed that I didn't care because it was like it was a cliffhanger, but it was a cliffhanger that was going where every show had gone before. So I really wasn't interested in how it was going to resolve itself. Um, I would love to see that show get a second chance and get done right. And I miss Summer Glau. I haven't seen her on TV in so long. <laughs> the last thing I saw her in was The Knights of Badassdom. And if you've ever seen, if you haven't seen that movie, it is, it, it's a, it's a crap movie, but it's, it, it's a, it's a low budget, almost fan film that they managed to get uh, Summer Glau and uh, Peter Dinklage in. Yep. And it's about a, a LARP weekend event where a, they accidentally summon a demon 
and the demon starts killing people at this LARP event and, uh, and hilarity ensues. But uh, I think the, the greatest line in the whole film and, and I, well, no, there's, there's two great lines and I won't, I won't, Never mind. You've got to see it. Just just look up Night of Badassdom. It's on Netflix. It's it's hilarious. She hasn't done anything in a couple of years. The last thing she was in was uh, two episodes of Woo Assassins, which was on. Uh, That's right. Yep. Yeah, that was a, a Netflix original. Yeah. <clears throat> I um, remember seeing a few a few shots of her from Woo Assassins, but I remember her showing up uh, as a supporting villain in, I want to say, the second season. Of Arrow, I think it was season two. She was uh, um, Deathstroke's daughter, Rose. Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Rose. right. Um, yeah. I really, I liked the Sarah Chron- Chronicles. I, they also did the same kind of thing that they did with Enterprise, where the name of the show was supposed to be the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and then some executive decided that nobody would know what that was if they didn't put Terminator in front of it. So they changed mm-hmm. it to Terminator. <laughs> uh, same thing they did with Enterprise. We got to put Star Trek in the title. Our Star Trek fans are not going to know this is a Star Trek show. Like, yeah, it's called Enterprise. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so John John says he he didn't like the time travel because they would send Terminators back to the 30s and tell them to wait until the 50s to activate. So there were potentially infinite Terminators everywhere. I kind of like that idea. <laughs> but, that, but that's the problem with the entire Terminator franchise is if you can travel back in time, and apparently it's not that hard to do, if it didn't work the first time, send another one. Send an army. You know, it, so it, it, I, I learned, you know, at the end of the first Terminator movie, when Sarah didn't immediately become a waitress again, you know, it was clear that we had we had to do some, and I know this is odd coming from me. We had to do some willing suspension of disbelief because <laughs> I know that I'm not that good at that. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Scott. What's your next one? I mean, I kind of wanted to say the 1990 television version of The Flash, starring John Wesley Ship, because I thought it was good. Um, but there's another one I want to talk about more, and I will take comfort in the fact that they made a new flash series. That's the one that's on CW now. So I'll say better late than never with, (laughs) with extending that flash series. And that character did get brought back for crisis on infinite earths uh, last year for the crossover. I was super excited to see that. I loved it. Um, I'll call that good enough. Uh, So another series that I think really should have been given more time to mature and, uh, explore what they wanted to do uh, and to resolve their cliffhanger. Uh, but we never got the chance was Earth 2. That one was, well, I don't have that on my Plex because I have the box set of the DVDs over there, so I can't remember when that one came out. I, can't, I can't remember. 94, thank yeah. you. Um, if you have a cast list there, you can go ahead and read some of them off. I can't remember uh, the name of the of the actor who played the uh, the leader of the expedition. Uh, yeah, Deborah Ferentino. That's right, Deborah Deborah Ferentino. Joey Zimmerman, Clancy Brown, uh, Jay Madison Wright, Sullivan Walker, nobody else that I really... Anthony Sabato Jr. was in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Antonio Sabato Jr. was was a big one. Um, Tim Curry? uh, Yeah, yeah, Tim Curry in a uh, recurring guest villain role. Terry O'Quinn, yeah. 
uh, he was in just in one episode. Um, but the, oh, I can't remember her, her, her name. Uh, she played the doctor on that series. Um, or Jessica Steen. Yes. Thank you. Jessica, Jessica Steen. Um, formerly of Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, another show that should have gone gone longer, but only for the wicked cool toy tie-in, the interactive toy tie-in. It had light guns that you could shoot at the TV while you're watching the show, and it would give you points on your... on, on your Awesome. Um, but Clancy Brown was so much fun on, on Earth 2. Um, <laughs> the kind of the runner up for man of a thousand voices doing so many different, uh, uh, voiceover gigs, uh, Mr. Krabs on, uh, SpongeBob, Lex Luthor on justice league. Clancy Brown is Mr. Krabs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. How the hell did I not know that? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Um, And had a one episode spot on enterprise. uh, Mm -hmm. I just watched that one yesterday. Uh, so Earth 2 is, we haven't really talked much about the plot, but uh, it's an expedition from Earth uh, heading out to uh, to recon and begin settlement on uh, an Earth-like planet uh, be- in the hopes of finding a cure for a uh, deadly Earth-based disease. And they get to this planet, and as the season uh, as the season goes on, they find that not only is the planet already inhabited, but there was an Earth-based conspiracy with a company that was uh, involved with the expedition that wanted it to fail. We later find out that not only are there, not only is there a a terrestrial race already on that planet, but the company that was involved with the expedition was sending prisoners. Yep, hilarity ensues. Um, but human prisoners were being sent to this planet and the world was serving as a penal colony and it already has native aliens on it. And now this expedition, which was not supposed to succeed, makes it there. They lose most of their supplies and they're trying to live rough in the woods while they make it from one spot to another to find more supplies and try to get a base of operations going. Um, Add in the fact that uh, the pilot of their ship seems to have an odd psychic connection to the planet. Um, Add in some really obnoxious, annoying kids that you really wish would just drop off the face of that planet. Um, And Tim Curry just really just running up the, uh, the production budget on, on sets because he is devouring every piece of scenery (laughs) that they had. He is living it up playing that villain role of, um, I think Gaul, I think, was was the character's name. Uh, just a whole lot of good times. Uh, some of it was, yes, formulaic 90s sci-fi. But if you can push through that, you can see they were really trying to set up quite a layered story with a lot of different elements. And if they had been given a second season, they would have explored that even further. Um, so I, I wish they'd had a chance to do that. Now, any listeners out there that are familiar with the show and you watch that season, and you remember what it was like. Uh, I don't know what you want to search for online, but do do a search and try to find it exists out there somewhere. There's a video that was put together as a pitch video for a second season of the show that would have made 
several changes to the story, to the cast, to the characters, to try to make the show a bit more marketable, a bit more palatable, palatable to the, the audience. And they were trying to win themselves a second season. They were trying to change the network's mind. So, no, no, we can make this better. We can make it more to your liking. We can change it up. It'll be great. Try this. And some of the proposed changes for that second season are so ridiculous. <laughs> you will not be able to help but laugh at what some of the things they wanted to do with the series. Do some research and try to find the, um, the production, like almost a sizzle reel for yeah. season two of Earth 2. It, it's worth the look. All right, my next one. I'll do this one, then we'll we'll go around one more time. Awake came out in let's see what year it came out. This was a 2012 series that came on NBC. Uh, had Jason Isaacs in it. Jason Isaacs played a. It was a police procedural fantasy drama. So Jason Isaacs played a cop. He's a d- detective. His wife and his son were killed in a car accident. And his his perception splits. So he has this thing where he he lives in a world where his wife is still alive. But his son died in a car accident. When he goes to sleep at night, he wakes up in yeah. another reality where his son is alive and his wife died in a car accident. And he has a different partner. He's the same guy. But he has a different partner in both time timelines. He's always working on similar cases, and for some reason, working on one case helps him solve the other one. Because <laughs> he's going back and forth in every episode. And he sees a different psychiatrist in each timeline, and both of them are telling him, um, you're going to go insane because you're not sleeping. You know, your 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 brainwaves are all over the place. You're going to sleep in one, you're waking up in another, and you're not your brain is not resting. But he doesn't want to give either one of them up because he's he's got his wife back in one, he's got his son back in the other. So he doesn't want to give either one of those up. And it only lasted thirteen episodes, so we never really found out the conclusion to what was happening to him. But it was an interesting ride for as long as we we could go on it. <laughs> But uh, there there are some notes that came out after the show was over that kind of gives ideas of where it was going to go eventually. Um, and it's kind it's one of those things where what you think is going on is probably better than what's actually going on. <laughs> because I've read some of the notes, and I don't really I don't really like where they were sending it. But uh, but I did enjoy what we got to what we got to see. And Jason Isaacs, you know. He's great in just about everything. So, Tom, what about you? What's your last one? Uh, last one is a one-season show from 2009 called Flash Forward. Oh, yeah. I love that show. I read the book. The, the newspaper? No. No. no uh, the newspaper was one was early, early, edition. early edition. Yeah. Flash uh, Forward was it? Flash Forward was a Lost-style uh, mystery box uh, uh time jump show but it this is thomas pick so i'll let him talk about it. i got scared because you said 2009 and my final pick is from 2009 so i got really freaked out that you were going to take mine away <laughs> no um no like you said it's it's a uh time jump kind of show where worldwide everyone kind of blacked out and flashed forward 
you know, roll credits. Um, I forget now how long it was. A year. Uh, seven a year. A year? Yeah. Okay. There was a book. Uh, Sean mentioned he read the book. Uh, so did I. It's kind of like with Ready Player One. You have to keep the show and the book completely separate. You know, they're similar but totally different entities. So they go, they, everyone gets to see like about two minutes of a year ahead of time. And then it's the same two minutes. Everybody's seeing the same two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The whole world flat, you know, lost consciousness for it says 137 seconds. And they get to see a vision of their own life um, a year, six months into the future, this global event. And then you've got the team that's trying to investigate what caused it, how it happened, you know, what caused the burn. I mean, the flash forward. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You've got uh, Joseph Fines as the lead FBI agent, uh, John Cho. Is it Cho? Yeah. Cho. 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 Um, Courtney B. Vance, who I just remember from Hunt for Red October, uh, Sonia Walger, Christine Woods, uh, Jack Davenport, whole list of people. Wait, that... There's a woman in Hunt for Red October. <laughs> no, no. no, Courtney B. Vance is a is a, a black man. Oh, 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 Jonesy. Okay, yeah, yeah, Jonesy. yeah. That's right. I should have just said Jonesy. <laughs> Dominic um, Monahan. Uh, uh, NCIS viewers will know him as um, uh, what, Director Vance. No, 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 no. Well, it was Courtney B. Vance. Um, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but he... Uh, He's in a procedural. I know what you're talking about. I've seen him. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he was the, the, the head of N, of NCIS on that uh, on that series. He came in like season five or something. Um, I, th- I, I think the character's dead now, but I can't remember what they called him. Like I said, during Sharon's first six months of life, I saw every cop show that was out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No. Alex King, don't forget Alex Kingston was in at least three episodes. Um, the, the lady that played River Song on Doctor Who. It was oh, a good yeah. show. It was uh, it, it was interesting because John John Cho, his character. So the 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 thing was everybody blacked out and they're able to see something that happens for two minutes a year in the future, and it's the same two minutes for everybody. John Cho blacked out. He didn't see anything. So he's assuming in a year I'm going to be dead. Of course, I was always like, well, maybe you were asleep during those, <laughs> those three minutes or something. But it also yeah. it also asked the question of, is the thing that you saw caused because you saw it? Because uh, one thing that happened is Alex Kingston's character, she flashes forward and she sees that she's having sex with another character on the show. Well, they didn't have any kind of attraction for each other until they saw that, and then they started talking and dating and stuff, you know. So, so yeah, the, yeah. But the whole show ended on a cliffhanger, right? With another flash forward. Yeah, this one was like twenty years in the future, and which follows a little bit closer to the book. <clears throat> it's been a long time since I read that, but um, yeah, and not everyone had these big profound flash forwards like the FBI director uh, assistant director Courtney B Vance's character he's sitting on the toilet reading the newspaper in his <laughs> yeah so yeah and uh and 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 one thing i liked about it is that they they tried to keep a little bit of realism in it that if something like this happens 
there's going to be mass casualties because people are driving their cars when they black out. People are flying airplanes when they black out. And they take all that into account. You know, people wake up and they look out at the highway and there's just cars crashed all over the place. Planes have crashed. All that kind of stuff, you know, so. Patients in surgery, I think that was one of them that came up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick, what about you? One more. Okay. Uh, we got way through my list, further through my list than I expected. <laughs> but uh, so this one is a bit of a cop out, but I'm not going to apologize. Um, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, granted, it was not un- little known. Uh, it did get four seasons, but um, in my opinion, it finally found its way in the last season. Uh, you know, there was, you know, we, we could do a whole show on what was wrong with, with Enterprise um, and why it was Decon. Enterprise. Well, that's the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> um, you know, a, a, a lot of it was Rick Berman. A lot of it was uh, meddling from above. Uh, a lot of it was uh, the perception that the... I hate you, Brandon. <laughs> song's going to be in my head for the rest of the night. Um, a lot of it was the perception that the formula of Star Trek needed to be changed... And so we got stupid crap like the decontamination gel and and uh, now I have been rewatching Enterprise uh, during the quarantine during the past few weeks. So high. And I found that Jolene Blaylock's performance was way better than I gave her credit for the first time through. Um, I, I the first time through I did not care for her portrayal of T'Pol. Uh, now I'm seeing there's a lot more nuance to it than, than I, I saw the first time through. Um, but just like with Jerry Ryan, um, the fact that they decided to, you know, put a, you know, a skinny boob jobbed model looking person in a cat suit, uh, just to try to bring in the, the teenage boys, uh, you know, it, it was more distracting than anything else. And, you know, while I think, I, I think Jerry Ryan is amazing. I think they got way more than they bargained for when they hired her for, for Voyager. Um, and I'm one of the few people that watched body of proof all the way through just because she was in the show. Um, that was not a show that needed more. But, you know, it, it, as a, heterosexual male uh, it's very hard to focus on the show when T'Pol is on screen um, and and so I really wish they had not gone that route but uh, by season four you know season one was, was okay was, was better than I remembered it being uh, I did you know I never liked the, the temporal cold war junk I really hated the whole Zindi war arc uh, but once they got past that and just started being explorers and doing Star Trek, uh, I thought it got really good. But by then, it was too late. The ratings were were down, and uh, you know the the show got canceled. I would have loved to have seen the show given its seven seasons, like every other Star Trek got. Rick, can I interject? 
Sure. See, I, I wonder if season four, I, I don't necessarily agree that that's where they really got their footing. They had some good stuff in season four, but to me it almost felt like more like a season five of Quantum Leap where, you know, that's where we're going to pull the pull the fun stuff, you know, like in season five of Quantum Leap, that's when he jumps into Elvis and meets Marilyn Monroe and the, you know, I wish Christopher was with us for this. Uh, I'm sure you'd have comments on that, but season uh, five is also with the, the, the episode with the vampire. And that's when they pulled the, the evil leaper, all, all three episodes can, uh, involving the evil leaper. The trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, Enterprise was doing that in season four. Like that's when they had the mirror universe episodes, which were better than the DS nine ones. And oh, you've yeah. on that before I, I love those episodes. You had them going back into world war two at the start of that season. And, you know, a few things like that. Um, one thing I really like though, is how much love enterprise is getting. Now um, you've got all the references in discovery season three, you know, when they mentioned the temporal Cold War um, in Star Trek Beyond, you know, they, there is several references to Enterprise stuff. I, I was I was talking about that just earlier today, the one moment in Star Trek Beyond where I clapped my hands in the theater and and giggled uh, like like a fool was when Idris Elba mentioned uh, the Zindi, which is the only time outside of Enterprise we'd heard a mention of anything that was uh, enterprise in origin. Right. Yeah. Pro- I mean, proving that everything that happened on, on in the four seasons of enterprise was still canon, even in the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. Love I that. Mean, yeah. They got dumped on with their season finale. But... Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't consider that a series finale. I consider that a bad epilogue. Terra prime and demons are the, the series finale. No one can tell me different. Yeah, it, the uh, the the trying to hook up uh, Archer and Paul in early season or during season one, and didn't they even do that in season two a bit? Uh, no, yeah, they, and, were, they were setting up the the Paul trip stuff in season one. Very subtle. They were almost trying to you know who's it going to be sort of thing. Kind of like was, early Eureka. Uh, I think the episode title was Midnight, and this was. I no, this was a season three episode when uh, Archer, a, a subspace anomaly gave Archer uh, some type of uh, uh, organism in his brain that prevented him from forming new memories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find that we find Archer in the future. He is older. T'Pol is now his care take his caregiver. Um, I think weren't they somewhere in the city alpha system? Study Alpha 5. Yeah. Um, and they did hint in in that, you know, alternate future in that episode that uh, uh, T'Pol had had uh, developed some romantic feelings for Archer during her time looking after him. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> the first time we saw the decon chamber. <laughs> Brandon, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, what's the, what's the last one on your list? All right, last one on my list is um, a, a series that I think uh, not nearly enough people uh, have ever heard of or are familiar with, and it's absolutely outstanding. Uh, ran for 13 episodes in uh, 2009. 
Outstanding. Uh, starring Ian McShane, uh, Christopher Egan, Susanna Thompson, as some of us know as the Borg Queen, or uh, Lenara Khan from uh, Deep Space Nine, uh, Allison Miller, Eamon Walker, Sebastian Stan of the MCU. We got Dylan Baker. A lot of people know him. Uh, uh, Wes Studi is in there. And then one of my favorite uh, 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 guest recurring characters on this show, um, Brian Cox. Uh, we have the NBC drama Kings. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember that. You show. know Kings. You I remember know. it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, man. Um it is a a creative retelling of the story of King David from the Bible. Um, can't remember what uh, what book of the Bible it's from. Uh, I, Kings. Is it, is, First is it the book of King, Kings? Yeah, the, uh, King, King Kings one and Kings two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's 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 been a minute since I read it. Um, so it tells the story of of King David. Uh, yes, yes, Brandon, the Monarch Butterfly one. Um, it, so it tells that story of King David, but in a, um, I don't know, I would, I would call it, um, a, a neo-modern, uh, setting or retelling of that story. It's in an alternate present slash future where it's essentially the United States and it's essentially a, a modern, uh, you know, bustling city like you would see anywhere here in, in the modern day, uh, or the 2009 modern, uh, yet, uh, yeah, modern alternate, alternate universe. Yes. Thank you, Brandon. You, you should, you should come on the show one of these days. You're kind of good at this. Um, <laughs> in the, the kingdom of, um, the city is Shiloh and, Ian McShane, uh, yes, it was on NBC, uh, Carlos. Um, Ian McShane plays uh, King Silas Benjamin, uh, who has just recently uh, completed construction on his new capital city of Shiloh. Um, And then a war breaks out, and Christopher Egan is uh, heralded as a a war hero for some... Thank, thank you, thank you. Uh, Gilboa, and they are fighting a war against the, the nation of Gath. Yeah. Um, uh, Christopher Egan's David Shepard uh, does something brave out on the battlefield, and he's lauded as a hero, and they are setting him up to become the next king. Uh, very popular with the citizens, and he is now a threat to uh, King Silas and his power, so there's a lot of machinations and power struggles and underhanded dealings and espionage. Uh, a lot of moving parts in the story with a lot of layers to the characters. And the only way I can describe the writing for this series all the way through this 13 episode season is the writing is so rich. It's not, uh, it's not cheap. It's not lowest common denominator style of writing. It's not CW writing. These are scripts where you do need to pay some attention to understand what's going on. You can't watch the show while you're doing something else, while you're washing the dishes, while you're folding your laundry. You want to sit down and pay attention to the show. That's probably why it didn't last. Because <laughs> yeah. it imagine imagine the West Wing, but talking about a 
a retooled Bible story rather than modern politics. Um, and not quite as fast moving as the, the dialogue for the West wing. Um, it, it is a television of a type. It's not going to appeal to everyone, but the people who like it are going to love it. And it did set up not necessarily dire cliffhangers at the end of that 13th episode, but they set all the pieces in place for an even better second season that they never got. And it's at this point, it's, it's never going to happen. It's far too late to try and go back to it. And it's such a missed opportunity. Um, everything about the show was gorgeous from the, uh, from the, the sets to the music, to the dialogue, to Allison Miller. I, I mean, to, to the cast members, it, really a, a wonderful jewel of a show. Um, I have the, the box set DVD. I'm never getting rid of it. This show is wonderful. Yeah. I, I remember watching it and I, I was kind of surprised when they made it because usually the Bible is something that especially network television wants to skirt away from. And they, yeah. they went there <laughs> and it worked. I mean, it, it worked as a show. Um, and Allison Miller was on Terra Nova as well. That's right. She was. <clears throat> yes. I forgot. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, that that uh, article excerpt that Brandon just posted sounded like an article that was done uh, much closer to when the series actually aired. But after it was done, basically talking about so this series uh, that just got canceled recently, uh, what what happened with that? That was the the network president's oh, okay. response. Was, was that basically saying there's no way to make a, a snappy uh, half minute commercial for the show? They're going to hook people into it. And also, it's too highbrow, meaning it's too smart. Yeah. <laughs> People want something they can watch while they're looking at their phone. <laughs> yeah. You know. And if you're saying that a show is too highbrow and too smart, then that's a show that I want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's a show that I want to give give a shot to. And I'm I'm torn about what I want my last one to be, because I wanted to talk about um, Almost Human. Brandon brought it up here a few minutes ago. Uh Mockingbird Lane was another one I thought about talking about, which was a retelling of the monsters, but it was only one episode. It was just the pilot and then never got picked up. I -hmm. think I'm going to go with studio 60 on the sunset strip. Um, Uh, okay. Okay. Cause I like, (laughs) it was, uh, uh, so it's it was an Aaron Sorkin comedy drama and you know, Aaron Sorkin is the same guy that did West wing. So I had a lot of the that kind of, that snappy dialogue feel to it and everything, but this was about television executives and not um, politics. So it um, it's supposed to be mainly about like the the producers of a show that's kind of like Saturday Night Live. I can't remember what they actually called their show. Uh, Studio sixty on the sunset. Show. That was the name of their show. Okay, all right. Yeah, the the name of the show was also the name of their show. Um, and it, it was a, a direct competitor to uh, SNL, whereas Studio 60 aired on Fridays and SNL was on Saturdays. But and they existed. It, it was They were both in that universe. They were not a replacement. SNL was their competition. Oh, okay, okay. Well, it had Matthew Perry, Amanda Peet, and Bradley Whitford. That's the, like the main. And uh, Stephen Weber was in it, too. And But it didn't just focus on that. It also focused on even the higher-ups in the actual uh, network. So it had a lot of stuff a lot of network stuff going on too. Like there was a, mm-hmm. 
there was a, a, a reporter that was embedded with a, a troop out in Afghanistan that accidentally dropped a curse word on his, uh, on one of his uh, stories, live, on one of his live stories or whatever. And there was mm-hmm. a whole thing going on about taking the network off the air because they dropped a F bomb or something like that, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, the, the, the FCC was going to, was going to find them for, uh, for airing, uh, uh, profanity uh, on the air and they're yeah. like this is a live it, it, it it's a live broadcast in a in an active uh wartime situation you're not going to find us for that and uh that an entire episode about deciding we'll take this all the way to to the supreme court if we have to you're not going to find us for that that's war we're we're showing you the news um you know patented uh textbook aaron sorkin style writing yeah. Unfortunately, it also has a lot of other textbook Aaron Sorkin style stuff, uh, like a little bit of pretension, uh, perhaps a little bit of women be crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then also a little bit more of um, women be crazy. There, a, a, a lot of that. Uh, there are times when Amanda Peet and Sarah Paulson, who is also one of the, the lead females in the show, uh, they're, they're great performers. And a lot of time their characters are given great stuff to do. But a lot of times their characters are portrayed as absolute lunatics because they're women. And that's how Aaron Sorkin writes too many of his women. Uh, he was able to avoid that somehow in the West Wing where uh, Alice and Janney's character of C.J. Craig was usually you know, pretty smart, pretty on top of it and capable. But when he moved on to Studio 60, his uh, female characters on that show were just not all together. Yeah. Just uh, chronically unreasonable. And uh, the other issues I had with the show are he was pushing the, the will they, won't they romance angle between Matthew Perry and Sarah Paulson. And that got tiresome because when a TV writer tries to give you two characters that obviously should not be together because they are toxic to each other. And then by the end of it, they decide we're meant to be together because we love each other. Yet you as the viewer are saying, no, you're going to destroy each other. This is incredibly unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> Stop being around each other. But no, it's true love. See how it conquers all. No, you're a bad match. Break up. Um, the other problem with it is Aaron Sorkin is not a comedy writer. And he's trying to portray a live comedy uh, sketch, live sketch comedy, very much like SNL. And anytime you see them performing their sketches in the show, that's written by Aaron Sorkin. And he is not an SNL writer. Yeah. And he should not be. Brandon Brandon uh, wrote, so is Mad TV or In Living Color? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, uh, now, there was a couple of the skits that they, they, they did an episode where uh studio 60 was doing their christmas episode and Mm -hmm. um (laughs) there was a they did a skit where santa claus comes down the chimney and uh when he comes out of the fireplace chris hansen's standing there (laughs) and it's like are you here to see a 12 year old boy (laughs) it's like what i'm santa claus what are you talking about (laughs) uh but yeah i mean what was that Oh yeah, yeah. Pull the seat. What, what have you got in that bag? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it wasn't full of misses. There were some 
some funny concepts that were in there, but he shouldn't try to write an entire sketch or even part of a sketch. What saved it was the the actors on the show who were playing the performers on their live sketch comedy show were pretty good. Deal Hughley is is great. Um, uh, not um, oh come on uh, the 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 younger kid you know all all skinny and um, Cordry um, not Rob Cordry I think it's Nate Cordry Rob Cordry's brother was was on there and he did a good job um and then some of the supporting players for their sketch show uh did some really great impressions which you could see a few times throughout the season and that was a lot of fun i can't remember the name of the guy i think he might be on uh uh i think he might have gone on to be on the big bang theory but uh he did a a nicholas cage impression as part of their uh studio 60 show which was really funny that was one of the aspects that would make an episode better if that was in there. Also, John Goodman. Yeah. Well, yeah, John Goodman. I don't. Yeah, there's something about Aaron Sorkin and John Goodman because he showed up in The West Wing too. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of the last thing that Matthew Perry did. That was. I mean, he. I know he did um, The Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. There was something after this, and when Matthew Perry came to The Odd Couple, there was something different about him. I don't know what it is. It's just the, the the whole way that he looked and the way that he carried himself and everything had completely changed. And I, I tried to look and see if he had had some kind of surgery or something because like the way he talks is different and stuff too. So, but I don't know. It's just uh, something's changed with Matthew Perry. <laughs> it, it's it's difficult to remember and follow the timeline of uh, Matthew Perry and his various struggles with uh, substance abuse. Yeah, it could um, have something to and, do with that. And his various stints in rehab, so I, I don't know if that plays a role in there. But uh, you look at him, the various different uh, body shapes that he had throughout Friends. Mm-hmm. He, had, he appeared in a few episodes of The West Wing about halfway through its run, and then when The West Wing ended, this show started pretty much immediately. And even from The West Wing... Uh, which I think he showed up in seasons four and five of the West Wing, just a couple episodes. Um, and then from that to starring in this show, uh, the appearance is night and day. He looks he looks so different. Who is who is he in Friends? I I don't Chandler. Know. Uh, yeah. Okay, that doesn't help. <laughs> I thought it might. <laughs> Could we be any clearer? He was. Uh... I. I... I have seen one episode of Friends. That's because it was the only thing on the airplane that was worth watching. Oh, God. <laughs> Tom thought my joke was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to read uh, John's? I'm, I'm trying to pull it up, and my computer is wanting to freeze on me. Hold on a second. Hang on. I got it right here. Um, he's got, Go ahead. from the 80s, Pirates of Darkwater. Oh, yes. Uh, he is so right. From the 90s, Freakazoid. Wishbone and Parker. I loved Parker Lewis. <laughs> Parker Lewis was, if I'm if I'm remembering right, I don't know if this is actual fact or just what we assumed, but they it, it was like they wanted to do a Ferris Bueller series but couldn't get the rights to it, so they made it Parker Lewis can't lose. Well, they did yeah. a Parker. They did a Ferris Bueller series, and it got canceled. And I oh, think okay. it was about the same time that this came out. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think they were competing. He was later. He was in Stargate the year that, that Michael Shanks was not in. 
Um, oh, are you, are you trying to think of the actor's name? Yeah. Corin Nemec. Corin Nemec, yeah. And, and any time I hear the name Kubiak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It comes back to me now that you mention it. Now that you say the name, I'm like... Um, Wishbone was a pretty good series I used to watch with my kids, and it was basically this little dog, and he would act out the main role of some piece of literature. He would be Robin Hood or something like that. Sherlock Holmes. And all the other characters would not act like he was a dog. He was... (laughs) I never saw Wishbone, but I worked with a guy who was on the show, a guy by the name of Akeem Babatunde, who is just this huge African-American guy, like, kind of like... um, Oh, who was the dude in in the Green Mile? I'm Michael like, Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan, like that, like giant man who is just the most sweet, gentle person, and he carries. He has this little dog, like little <laughs> dog that he carries around in a bag with him all the time. He, he did a few shows in my theater <laughs> back in the nineties, and he's just a really nice guy. And he said he was on this show, Wishbone. I'd never seen it, but um, so I, I understand it's a fun show. Um, the aughts, he's got Pushing Daisies, which good I've show. never seen, but I've good heard show. of. Yeah, good show. And Muppets Tonight, which I'm not so sure I agree. <laughs> I tried <laughs> to watch Muppets Tonight. It just, I, it, I always think that Muppets should be given a little bit more of a chance than other shows. If it's not going well, just give it a little bit longer. Well, the Muppets, have got, they've got a show Muppets right now on Disney+. It. Plus. It, I only saw the first one and I really liked it. I yeah. keep forgetting to go back and look for more. Yeah, they're doing a show now. Pushing Daisies but, was a yeah. good show that uh it, it was about a guy that um he could touch a dead person and bring them back to life. But if he touched them again, they would die forever. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um he had uh he had inadvertently brought a girl back to life and fell in love with her, but he can't ever touch her again because if he does she'll die. And there's a police detective that uses his his power to solve crimes because he can bring a victim back to life, ask him who killed him, and then <laughs> and then let him die again. You know. Uh, and when they come back to life, are they still all like broken and yeah? Oh yeah, and yeah. That's why he uh, he has to let him go after that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So. Uh, and then uh, for the 2010s, Gallivant. Persons unknown and person of interest. I've only ever heard of person of interest. I don't know the other. I two. don't know what persons unknown is. Gallivant was a medieval comedy musical oh. show. Yeah, musical comedy show, which yeah. I, I I put it on my Netflix list to watch it, but I just never got around to it, and then I canceled my Netflix, so I haven't gone back. I saw a couple I episodes. I saw a few episodes of it. It was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Person, he says. Like, he says, person of interest had a decent. Yeah, person of interest was on for a while. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right, Tom, you can't change your honorable mentions until we talk about the previous one. <laughs> <laughs> what was? I didn't. Uh, I didn't even see what it was. He, he, he's changing his screen name. Uh, listeners not watching the uh, the video feed. Tom is changing his screen name to honorable mentions. Uh, the the latest one was Kyle XY. I only heard about it. I never watched it, so I don't want to talk about it. But the first one, it was a show that was on when when Tom and I were younger, uh, which is the New Adventures of Beans Baxter. Tom, tell us about it a little bit. We're sneaking in another show, Sean. Sorry about that. I know we're running long, but we're going to sneak in one more. Uh, Tom, Tom, give us Beans Baxter. This is what I keep remembering 
you know, it's like, oh, I, I love that show when it was on, and something prompted it in my head as we were going through the, that last list. 1987, one season, um, uh, Fox Network adventure comedy show where um, a kid became a spy. Well, he picked up his dad's job. His dad was missing and picked up his dad's job as a spy for, I can't remember the organization, but I remember the bad guys led by Kurtwood Smith. Mm-hmm. Bad guys were called ugly, and I forget what it was. Uh, um, yeah. What's that? <laughs> no, it was. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember the uh, what the acronym stood for, but it was um, uh, the uh, notorious terrorist organization called UGLI, headed by the sinister Mister Sue. Yeah, can you fly, Bobby? <laughs> oh, underground government liberation intergroup. <laughs> they were really bending over to get that ugly acronym. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Beans Baxter was, uh, again, working, taking his dad's place for the network. That's and right. Recruited by the mysterious number, number two, two, played by Jerry uh, Wasserman. Mm-hmm. So, anytime I see Wasserman in any other role, film, television, doesn't matter. I always say, "Oh, it's the guy from Beans Baxter." You watch the, the one I season, the, the, the one season uh, uh, sci-fi series, The Mantis, featuring uh, Wasserman. It's, it's like, "Oh, it's Beans Baxter guy." Another uh, honorable mention I can throw out if you're mentioning Mantis is uh, Exo Man. Did y'all ever see that? I remember was, hearing about it. I, I didn't see it. It was it was a, a paralyzed scientist who created this this exosuit which looked like an orange trash can <laughs> with like fire hose arms and legs, uh, and it, it it let him. It, it, it was you know an exoskeleton that he could go out and fight crime in. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that the the, man, the mantis exoskeleton I think was was better. I don't know if the show was. better better mantis started out it wanted to be a show talking about like uh uh you know racism and uh and political crime in the city with mantis trying to stop it and by the end of that first season we've got time travel and an invisible tyrannosaurus rex invisible you remember way more about that show than it deserved well i i did a i did a rewatch uh, a couple months back of of the whole season and yes the, the season finale had mantis and the the female cop that uh, he had fallen in love with throughout the season, the two of them trapped in a car being attacked by the invisible dinosaur that they've been dealing with the entire episode. They set off a bomb that destroys the car, the dinosaur, and themselves. And that's the end of the series, is the hero dies fighting a dinosaur. Okay. They, they, sh- they shut down the, the mantis cave, and, and that the end, done. We we don't have the budget to show this dinosaur, so it's going to be an invisible dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. We'll give it a a, a wavy, blurry uh, Klingon cloaking effect rather than try to make an actual dinosaur. It was. You know what's another show that really I wish it got more time was. Have you ever heard of this show called Doctor Who? But <laughs> <laughs> I'm No, what? Uh, well, since, since we're doing honorable mentions, I'll bring up Erie, Indiana. You got, I don't know if you guys remember that. I remember that one. I didn't see it enough. I didn't see it enough back then. I I should have I should have tried harder. It was only nineteen episodes, but it was it was just strange. It was this uh <laughs> this kid that lived in a town where just really weird stuff happened, and it was almost like a uh, like a um 
like he lived in the Twilight Zone, but the but yeah. it was like a it was like a co- comedy take on the Twilight Zone. Like there was one episode that I remember in particular where there was a a woman that had these two twin sons that never seemed to get any older, and they were almost I mean they were like robotic <laughs> twins or whatever, like, and they, they weren't getting I any. Rem- old. I remember. They were getting any older older. because every night she had them lay down in these two giant Tupperware boxes and she would seal them up in Tupperware so that they wouldn't get any older. And, and that was the, uh, is like, it keeps everything fresh. It keeps everything fresh. Rick, get that look off your face. It makes perfect sense. They slept in Tupperware so they didn't age. Every episode was something strange like that. Yeah. And at the end of that episode, when they realized they had to do something about their mom because she was an evil person, I just remember this image of these two twins punching their palms in in, in sync with each other. We'll take care of mother. <laughs> it was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. So if you can if you can find that, let me, you know, while I've got it up, let me look on Just Watch and see if it's streaming anywhere. Just watch. I, I just did a quick torrent search for Beans Baxter, and I couldn't find it. I've got to check a couple other places. I need to get my hands on that now. <laughs> it was a show in the, in the 70s or 80s about a guy who his brain got wiped, but he could, like, upload experiences. And so he could become an instant expert in anything. And he, he was like a secret agent or something like that. that. Or it was kind of like a six million dollar man sort of thing. Oh, okay. Huh? No, not Chuck. No, it was like it was like he his his brain he, he, somehow he could like like if he needed to be a, a, a race car driver, he they could just like plug in a, a data chip of some sort and he would know how to be a race car driver. Um, oh, you know, I I think Yeah, it it was it was pretty uh Pretty under the radar, so I don't think a lot of people uh, heard about it. But I think it was called the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This was like way, way like seventies or eighties. Okay, was so that, it wasn't like, the Pretender or John Doe. Okay, Rick, was that Blake's Seven? No, it was it was an American show, um, and I can't remember what it was called. Erie, like, Indiana pretend, I, I, is uh, streaming on Prime. So okay. you, can, you can watch it there. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's all I've got. Tom, thanks for being here tonight. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, Rick, thank you yes. for being here. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott, you as well. Uh, I think we've proven that uh, this is probably a topic that we can uh, return to uh, and have a second part episode uh uh, bring in John and and Chris to uh, to give their takes. I'm yes. sure we can get another two two hours plus out of this topic. Yeah. I want to do shows that got more seasons than they deserved. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sequest. <laughs> that transparent. <laughs> yeah, see, it started out Sequest. If they had stopped after season one, then it would have been this show should have been given uh, more of a chance to grow. By the time they got to season three, it's like you, 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 you done ruined it. Now we wish you would take it back. It's like Land, land of the what? Lost. Yeah. If, if, if I have to, I'd have to double check the time, but I'm pretty sure that during the time that Secret <clears throat> got two undeserved seasons, 
that was during the time that Space Above and Beyond and Earth 2 both got canceled after their first. <laughs> which is one of my biggest problems with the show is good shows got screwed over and Sequest kept getting pushed on because it had Spielberg's name behind it. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, plus Sequest was on uh, NBC and yeah. uh, the yeah, others were on Fox. <laughs> Let's see. Sequest 90, 93 to 96. Yeah, 93 to 96. And Space Above and Beyond was 95, so yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Ruined. Alright, so... Sequest um, is such a missed opportunity. We'll, we'll be back to talk about some other things in a couple of weeks. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us over on... Uh, you can find all the shows that we do over on uh, InfinitePotato.com. Uh, we've uh, got an episode of that Star Trek podcast, it'll... As as this is being recorded, it'll come out tomorrow. As it's released, it came out a week ago. <laughs> so, uh, so, so go and check that out. And, uh, I mean, why me, Whipley Bobby? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that'll do it. I would say uh, join us next time, and you might hear John say, but John's not here. So have a good night. Join us next time. Well, how about this? Can't find a quiet place to record. Right. <laughs> join, join us next time when you might hear John say, I think Person of Interest had a decent run and series finale. I just wanted more. <laughs> you might say that in haiku form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 